Today, I'm making a video about taxes and foreign taxes, and specifically foreign corporations doing business and paying taxes in the United States. Haven't done my taxes, I'm too turned up. Haven't done my taxes, I'm too turned up. And this is an issue that comes up when you have um, companies in countries outside the US who are starting to do business inside the U United States and don't want to pay tax in the United States and how that should be set up. So it really comes down to when does, the question is when does a foreign corporation have to pay taxes in the United States and then how can we avoid that? So I have two things I'm going to reference and it's the source, it's the code, the Internal Revenue Code and then the US in Income Tax Treaty. So first is um, the Internal Revenue Code. Code Section 864 has definitions and it comes down to the US, United States has the right to tax a company that is doing business in the United States and generating effectively connected income. So we go over here and we're gonna jump into US Code Section 864, Definitions and Special Rules. In this code section, we go down to C and this goes effectively connected income, et cetera. A general rule for this title. In the case of a non-resident alien individual or foreign corporation engaged in a trade or business in the United States during the taxable year, the rules set forth in the following, the subsequent paragraphs, shall apply in determining income, gain, or loss, which shall be treated as effectively connected income with conduct of trade or business in the United States. And if a foreign corporation is doing business in the United States, then they have to pay taxes on their profits that were generated in the United States. And for a foreign corporation doing it directly, it can be uh, very costly if done incorrectly and the IRS challenges it. For example, if a foreign, if a company in Brazil, for example, hires uh, a multiple executives as employees and they live in the United States, the, the worst case scenario is the IRS could challenge the, the Brazilian company saying that these executives are being paid all this money, they must be generating a lot of income and then force the bank to show how much income was earned here and then impose a tax on that. So, I mean, that's, that's like worst case scenario and how I interpret the code, but let's go through it more and get into more details. Okay, so let's go through these paragraphs. Except as in provision paragraph six, seven, and eight, or in section eight seventy one D or A two D and E, in the case of a non-resident alien individual foreign corporation not engaged in trader business during the taxable year, no um, income is effectively connected income. So basically, if you're not doing any, any business in the United States, the U.S. government has no right to tax you, which is logical and it's now written and we are reading it. Okay, so periodical income, we're going to skip this. And I want to go down to income from sources without the United States. So acceptance provided in B and C and no income gain or loss from sources without that would be outside of the United States shall be treated as effectively connected income within, with the conduct of a U.S. trader business. And then we go to B income gain or loss from sources outside the United States shall be treated as effectively connected with conduct of a trader business by a non-resident alien individual or foreign corporation if such person has an office or other face, a fixed place of business within the United States to which income gain or loss is attributable and such income gain or loss consists of rents or royalties, dividends or interest, or basically if you have an office, right? 
Then we go down here. In the case of a foreign corporation under Parts 1 or 2 of Subchapter L, any income from the United States without um, Subchapter L is for insurance companies. No income from source without the United States shall be uh, effectively connected income if it either consists of dividends or royalties paid by a foreign corporation. Okay, that doesn't apply either. Okay. Here we go. Rules for application of paragraph 4B. And that is, you know, the sourcing of effectively connected income. In determining whether a non-resident alien individual or foreign corporation has an office or other fixed place of business in the uh, of an agent shall be disregarded unless such agent has the authority to negotiate and, and conclude contracts in the name of the non-resident alien individual or foreign corporation and regularly exercise that authority or has a stock of merchandise which he regularly fulfills order on behalf of such an individual or foreign corporation and is not a general commission broker agent or other independent status acting in the ordinary course of business. So from this, I understand it and I read it as if you use contractors to deliver random services for you, that wouldn't um, be make your income effectively connected income with the U.S. trader business. However, this is really important. and is not a general commission agent broker or other independent status. So if someone is a dependent status, which is like an employee or um, an officer or someone who can enter into contracts and works for the company and is living in the United States, the IRS could argue that the company is doing business in the United States because they have a, an, an agent who works for the company, the foreign corporation, and is, um, entering contracts and making corporate company decisions and generating income as an employee in the ordinary course of business for the foreign corporation. And he doesn't work for himself or herself. Okay. Let's see. So, treatment of certain property deferred transactions. So that's, that's really the biggest part there is determining the sourcing of the income and where it's where where it's really being earned, and this is the code section here. It's um, a sixty four. It's just definitions and special rules, but in the definitions, they're defining what is effectively connected income and what, and then they go through here and say that effectively connected income is taxable in the U.S. because you're doing business in the U.S. I didn't actually go through the code section that says effectively connected income is taxable, but that's really I think it's pretty implied and I'm sure it says it here directly. Okay, so that's where I go through, I, I work with a lot of non-residents and that's where we, we always cite this because when you have a non-resident with an LLC, it's still really a non-resident doing business in the US. So I always advise people not to have agents or people who can sign contracts for them. And, excuse me, and also, not to have their own dedicated warehouse for inventory because I read it here. Um, again, we go down to the, the exceptions here. App yeah, the rules for the application of paragraph 4B. If you have a, someone who's managing inventory for your business or doing something for, for in that regard, it would be a general agent, a broker, or other independent agent acting in the ordinary course of their business. And a great example is Amazon FBA. 
that's Amazon's business and they definitely aren't a part of your business. If you have Amazon FBA inventory and Amazon FBA, this is what I would cite to say that you're not doing business in the United States and your income is not connected with the United States because Amazon's holding your income or holding your inventory. And if you have someone who just does random services for you and helps you out with things, but can't enter into any kind of contracts and is independent, meaning not an employee, then a foreign corporation will be okay getting services from the U.S. as well without doing business here. Now, this is the tax code. Now we can jump to tax treaties, which really are used to um, expand on the code and give more, even more clarification on the code. So I jumped into tax treaties, and I work with a lot of South Americans. And interestingly enough, well, here, let's start, let's start here. This is tax treaties can affect your income tax. So. This goes over how tax treaties actually work. So I'm not going to read the whole thing, and I'll, I'll link this. I'll link this in the description. But this is really going to um, the biggest thing is a savings clause. Most tax treaties have a savings clause that preserves the right of each country to tax its own citizens and treaty residents as if no treaty were in effect. However, the savings clause generally accepts certain. Um, types of income from its application. And really what the treaties do is just uh, elaborate and explain how the code is being interpreted in terms of business between the two, two countries. So I opened the tax treaty with Venezuela because there really aren't any tax treaties with South American countries, but there is one with Venezuela. So we're talking about business income, a company doing business in one country or another country who gets the tax that business. So we'll just jump to business profits, Article 7. And while all treaties are not exactly the same, they're all based on the same framework and there's a lot of nuances between the treaties. And I, I note the treaties again, in case you have a treaty with your country, you can check these articles. But if you don't have a treaty, you're really just based on the interpretation of the IRS code. And there's really not a lot of guidance. There is case law in a lot of circumstances. And I'm not going to cite any case law in this video, but if enough people want to know about it, I will make another video about the case law and I'll get into it. Okay. Article seven, business profits, the business profits of an enterprise of contracting state and the tax treaties are written really in a really confusing manner. Uh, they talk about a contract, uh, a contracting state and the other contracting state throughout. So it's because the treaties go both ways. The business profits of an enterprise of Venezuela shall be taxable only in that state unless the enterprise carries on business in the other contracting state, the United States, through a permanent establishment situated therein. If the enterprise carries on business as foresaid, the business profits of the enterprise may be taxed in the other state, the United States, but only so much of them as are attributable to that permanent establishment. So only the income earned in the United States would be attributable there. However, it's not often a direct correlation when you have a global business, which is why very frequently international businesses, large businesses will open a subsidiary in the U.S. instead of even dealing with this. So whenever they have an employee or a contract or anything happening in the United States, it happens under the direction of the U.S. company. So... We read here, the biggest thing is through a permanent establishment situated therein. So, lucky for us, 
Article 5 is permanent establishment, so they'll tell us exactly what it is. For the purposes of this convention, the term permanent establishment means a fixed place of business for which a business of an enterprise is wholly or partly carried on. It especially includes the place of management, a branch, an office, a factory, a workshop, a mine, a gas, a well, or a quarry. The term permanent establishment likewise encompasses a building site or construction. A lot of it has to do with physical presence. And if there's any inventory or uh, assets in a, in a country, then that would be permanent establishment. Oh, here we go. The term permanent establishment likewise encompasses the furnishing of services, including consultancy services by an enterprise through employees or other personnel engaged for the enterprise for such purpose, but only where the activities of that nature continue within the country for a period, I agree, more than 183 days in any 12-month period. So through this treaty, if you are furnishing, if a foreign corporation is delivering personal services through employees or through contractors, because it says including consultancy services, through employees or other personnel engaged by an enterprise for such purposes, but only where they, they continue within the country for a period of more than 183 days, then that would be permanent establishment. Again, this is a treaty. So if you don't have a treaty, you don't get the benefit of that 183 days and this outstanding guidance to rely on. So let's see what else we got here. Notwithstanding the preceding provisions, the term permanent establishment shall be not to include um, storage, maintenance, 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 solely for the purpose of purchasing goods, uh, maintenance and maintenance. So basically, if you have something just to hold and manage the movement of goods in and out of the country, it wouldn't be permanent establishment. Now, we're saying provision paragraphs one and two. Okay, so this is mostly these. Other than an agent of an independent status whom paragraph six applies is acting on behalf of the enterprise and habitually exercises the authority to conclude contracts in the name of the enterprise, that enterprise shall be deemed to have permanent establishment in that state. So notwithstanding the provisions of these, so in addition to that, other than an agent of an independent status whom paragraph six applies, let's see paragraph six, this is acting on behalf of an enterprise that habitually exercises the authority to conclude contracts which, which agrees with the code. If a company is doing a, has a, an agent or an employee who's entering contracts and operating business in the country, then they would be required to pay tax in that country. So that's why we would register a subsidiary and operate that way in the, in the U.S. So that's pretty important. So let's see. Um, other than an agent to whom paragraph six applies, see paragraph six. An enterprise shall not be deemed to have a permanent establishment in a contracting state merely because it carries on business through a broker, commission agent, or other independent agent, provided that such persons are acting in the ordinary course of their business. However, when the activities of such agent are devoted wholly or almost wholly on behalf of that enterprise and the transactions between the agent and the enterprise are not made under arm's length conditions, he shall not be considered an independent agent within the meanings of this paragraph and he would be an actual employee doing business in the, in the United States. So this gives you some, some it gives us some more guidance here uh, as to what is an independent agent in the eyes of the IRS for the purposes of the U.S.-Venezuela tax treaty. But um, it just gives a little bit more, and, and you can check your own treaty if you have a treaty. And if you don't have a treaty, it's based solely on the tax code. 
and the interpretations of the tax code and, and you know how that's done. So um, let's go to the next point and that's really it. Okay, the fact that a company which is a resident of a contracting state controls or is controlled by a company which is a resident of the other state shall not itself constitute either company permanent establishment or the other. So this is this means that if a Brazilian corporation has a U.S. subsidiary, a subsidiary corporation, this is precludes the Brazilian corporation from having permanent establishment because of the U.S. corporation. And that's really why multinationals have legal entities in all their all the different countries so they don't intermingle the profits from these companies and have to pay um, profits in other countries. And it, it would be really confusing to determine if you had 10 employees in a country who are just doing different services to determine how much income is generated by these individuals. So that's why it's important to determine whether the company has permanent establishment or not. And if you're doing business in another country or not, and when it's close or you don't know, it might be safer to open a U.S. corporate subsidiary as it's not that expensive. And it, there's other benefits with that as well. So if you have any questions about this, please email me or call me and um, I'm happy to uh, discuss further. Okay, thanks a lot. Hope this was helpful.